the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. Just. And I want you to not just see this from an individual perspective, but from a corporate body perspective. So this subject will not just be covering revival for individuals. We hope that God will find it worthy to be a blessing to the body of Christ at large. And if God does not find it worthy, we would, of course, just stay with the personal individual lessons that we can glean from it. But if the Lord considers what we are discussing here, something that the entire body should benefit from, we'll find a way of amplifying it and ensuring that this travels beyond the four walls of this room. But ultimately, we are going to learn lectures or receive lectures on revival. It's not too often where, or it's not a common thing where people are trying to ignite revival by teaching. Teaching is often the last resort in the attempt to cause a revival. But that's because we have not learned from history. We have not understood the ways of God. Many people try to ignite revival through prayers. And um, prayer is good. We will certainly pray, especially in this month, and pray for revival. But by receiving lectures on revival, by hearing about Revival by hearing God's word about revival, revival can also happen. So don't despise a teaching event that is aimed at stirring up revival because we're not just teaching for teaching's sake, we want you to be revived. For many of you who are not revived, we want you to be revived. And for those of you who do not even feel like you need revival, we are going to teach you so that you can understand the purpose of revival. We also want to explain what revival is and what it is not. So many things we have to touch, but we have limited time. So we just trust God to give us speed and grant us understanding as we make progress. Hallelujah. Psalm 85 and verse 6. Psalm 85 and verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? I'll read it again. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? For tonight, we'll be continuing the subject titled Understanding Revival. We want to try and understand it. Understanding. Revival. Dear Lord, we approach your word with superiority and yet with expectation, trusting that your word would act as a means of life, a means of empowerment, a means of glory, a means of grace, and that we all will be revived. In Jesus' name we pray. So, understanding revival. Christianity is very loud about the concept of life. The Christian is not just somebody on his way to heaven. 
is somebody who has received life. I don't mean the Christian will receive life. I mean the Christian has received life. The most popular portion of scripture confirms that. John 3, 16. God loved the world, gave his son, whoever believes in him will not perish. And if the person does not perish, it means that the person will have everlasting life. So Christianity is very loud, very, very loud with respect to the subject of life. In John 17 and verse 3, you see Jesus speaking there and says that this is life eternal and they might know you as the only true God. So when we say Allah is not the true God, when we say Buddha cannot save, when we say any other religion is not what it, what we mean is that only Christianity offers life. Um, in the offering of life is not something that any other religion can afford. <laughs> life is not cheap. Life is very precious. And what separates the Christian faith from other religions is that we offer life. When we preach the gospel, we actually are offering life. We are putting life on the table and say, come and live. According to scripture, the sinner, Ephesians 2 and verse 1, is dead in trespasses. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So what God gives is not just heaven. What God gives is not just <laughs> speaking in tongues. What God gives is not the wearing of scarves and a different dress code. What God gives to believers is actually life. First John chapter 5 and verse 11 and 12. It says that this is life. In other words, the Son of God is life. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Listen to me. The unbeliever may be arrogant, may be active, may be proud, may be beautiful, may be rich, but in God's own books, they don't have life if they don't have the Son. The Son here is Jesus. Anyone who does not have Jesus. And I'm not talking about those who farms with Jesus. Anybody can farms with Jesus. Anybody can write on their Instagrams, bow, Jesus girl, on their Twitter page, Jesus boy. It's easy to say that. It's easy to claim that. But if you don't have the son, you don't have life. That's exactly how the Bible describes it. And of course, from the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundant. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came to give life. I came so that you can have life. So you see, the major theme of Christianity is actually life, 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 life. It's a dominant theme throughout scriptures. And if you are a Christian, if you are born again, let it be clear, what you received is life. Everybody say, I have life. I have when you gave your life to Christ, as it were, you received the life of God. You have life. It's not something you will have. It's not something you may have. It's something you already have. It's a present possession. You have life. I've said all of that to get us to this point in the argument of revival. Because many people have said, since Christianity is about life, why are we talking about revival? If we have established that the Christian faith is about life. Why are we talking about revival? Because from basic 
basic definition, if we say revival, we are talking about something that was dead coming back to life. Do you agree with me? Yes, sir. If we say Christianity is about life and we are all Christians, why are we talking about revival amongst believers? Is revival a legitimate conversation for people who have already received eternal life? I've received eternal life. Should I be listening to a lecture on a revival? Do I really need a revival lecture after receiving eternal life? How do you, I mean, juxtapose these realities? How does somebody receive eternal life and on the path, I mean, of his Christian race, he's been taught about revival? How does it add up? It sounds like a contradiction. So we want to try and establish, first of all, the legitimacy of this subject. Because some other people can just hear it and say, Christianity is about life. We don't need to hear about revival. Revival are for those that are dead. Christians are not dead. Christians have received eternal life. But if you examine the subjects closely, you see that revival is an authentic and legitimate conversation even amongst believers. In fact, it is amongst God's people that the subject of revival should be discussed. The phrase re talks about something happening again. If I say revive, it means somebody was alive. However, the activities of the powers or the forces of death are either already destroying that person or the person is close to dying, but the person is already experiencing the forces of death and the person needs a revival. For those that are not saved, we don't talk about revival because this is not just an English word. It's actually a theological word. For those who are not saved, we want to give them life for the first time. But for people who have been saved already, we are talking about revival. To experience life again. And not just to experience life, but to experience it in the way Jesus said it. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly for. For some people, they have life, but it's not in the abundant measure. In other words, it's not in the quality and the standard that Jesus hopes to give you. Jesus doesn't just want you to live. He wants you to live in an abundant way. He wants you to really experience the best quality of life. Listen to me. Life itself is in various shades, various quality, various dimensions. A virus is said to be alive, in a sense. A bacteria is said to be alive, in a sense. Plant is said to be alive, in a sense. Animals have life. Angels have life. Demons, as it were, have life, in a sense. So, when we're talking about life, there are various dimensions of it. For the Christian, it is not just about existing in Christ. It's about existing in Christ in an abundant way. You need to ask yourself the question. Yes, I'm born again if I am saved, but am I really experiencing abundant life? And I'm not talking about how many cars you drive or how many homes you have built or how many wives you have married or how many grandchildren you hope to have. I'm talking about the quality of this life. How rich, how, you know, how, how beautiful, how enviable is the Christian life that you are carrying and living and representing. So, revival. Well, let me first of all establish from scriptures that people who have received eternal life can be under the influence of the forces of death 
and in their need for revival. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 6. Paul here was given instructions with respect to how to treat church widows, how to attend and cater for people who have lost their husbands. Let's start from verse 4 so that we can maybe understand it better. So you see, verse 4, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, so it's a widow conversation, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. In other words, we should not overburden the house of God with charity responsibilities. If somebody is a widow but has children, let the children of those people take care of them. You don't have to insist that the church now begins to cater for them. Do we understand this conversation? But this is good and acceptable before God. It was five. Now, she was really a widow and left alone. Now, really a widow means that no husband and also no children. So, no means of survival. She's left alone. She trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So, Paul begins to teach Timothy that there's a way to know a true widow. When you see a widow who is not given to prayer, supplication, it's because there are other sources of help. She's not really a widow. Doesn't mean her husband did not die, but I mean, she's still flexing. Hallelujah. Amen. Number six now. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And so Paul begins to say that there are certain widows who are living in self indulging pleasure. And although they are believers, Paul describes them as dead because they are given to this indulgent attitude of self-gratification. And put this in the NLT. Let us see what it means by lives in pleasure. Because Paul is not against living in pleasure. Paul is not saying you should be a sufferhead. That's not the idea. But understand what it means by live in pleasure. But the widow who lives only for pleasure. Now you see that. So some people are living in pleasure. But that's not all they live for. Some other people only live for pleasure. I mean, I think <laughs> the ladies were having a conversation yesterday night and somebody asked a question about the modern day philosophies that is ruling in this world. And I think somebody gave an answer of if I don't make money with it again, you know, and it seems to suggest the only reason we are living is to make money. That's what is described as living only for pleasure. It's about we must jaye, we must flex. If we know jaye, I mean, why are we now alive? <laughs> you know, that kind of a mentality. Paul describes it as living only for pleasure and it is because the person is spiritually dead even while she lives. So there's a possibility of spiritual death in court even while somebody has eternal life. <laughs> because death is in various shades, various dimensions. Just as life is in various shades and various dimensions, death is also in various shades and dimensions. I mean, God talk, told Adam, in the day you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And what he meant fundamentally was separation from God. And so the forces of death that affected Adam first was separation from God. Physical death was the last thing that actually happened to Adam to confirm death. So when we say death, it's in various dimensions. Adam died as soon as he ate the tree. But if you looked at him, you probably would not know he died. 
I mean, he lived to over 130 something years. He lived quite long, or so you think. But the forces of death were already active upon his soul. Are you still listening to me here? So somebody can be, as it were, alive and yet experience the forces of death. So many people may argue that this scripture is not talking about believers and that a believer can never experience any measure of death and that probably Paul was talking about widows that are fake. That's why they don't even pray. Maybe people that are not even really genuinely born again as it were. Well, let's see a double witness here and also a triple witness. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And once again, from the context of this chapter, you would affirm or agree that Paul is trying to explain the difference between believers and non-believers. But the truth is that there are many believers who are carnally minded. First Corinthians chapter 3 confirms that, that somebody can be speaking in tongues and yet carnal. The Corinthian church will be like that. Speaking in tongues, prophecies, gift of the Spirit, yet carnal. And the product or the end result of this is what is called death. A Christian who does not set his heart on things that are spiritual will experience the forces of death and that person needs revival. Every time death in whatever dimension is experienced, what God offers is revival. Are you still listening to me here? Let's take a triple witness from the mouth of Jesus. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. We are trying to establish the legitimacy of revival because we are going to be having a revival lectures. But if you are born again, you might think it's not important because we have already received eternal life. However, we are trying to show that somebody can receive eternal life and yet the forces of death are still active in them. This is another example. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These things. Everybody say church. So he's talking about believers. Is that not so? Come on, are we still together here? All right. This thing says, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. So somebody can have a name that is alive. Say, what's your name? Say, my name is Livingstone. <laughs> Say, what's your name? Say, my name is, what's um, living in Yoruba? I can't hear this. Alaye. Aye. Okay. So, okay. What is your name? Say, my name is Aye Ayo. A living joy, living happiness. <laughs> you can have a name that is alive. Right? Maybe you may not even have living in your name per se, but the name sounds vibrant. vibrant. You know when you hear some names? Ah. What's your name? Say, Zacharias. <laughs> Maybe a very serious question. Zacharias. Sounds like a very powerful name, a very living name. So what's your name? Say Shemiraya. Say, ha! What does that mean? Jehovah is spectacular. Say, hey! Oh, deep. <laughs> but the person may be dying. The person may be dying seriously. The person may be doing his burial ceremony. Has a name that is alive. But look at the verdict. He said, but you are dead. Now, if Jesus writes to a church and says you are dead, Nobody loves the church more than Jesus. But nobody 
marks the scripts of the church better than Jesus. This is a church, a real church. It's not just a make-believe imaginary, I mean, gathering of people. This is a real church. And then the owner of the church, the head of the church, now says, here is your report card. You have a name that you're alive. What is the name of your church? Oh, Living Power Dunamis Exousia International Gospel Missions. Quite a very interesting name, intriguing name. I mean, the name looks to be a living name. The word name actually refers to reputation. You have a reputation that you are alive. But I've checked for signs of life I did not find. I've looked, I've examined, I brought my measurement rod, I brought my indices for approving of life. And I did not find. You only have a name. It's only a rumor. It's a reputation that is not true. It's packaging. I've been to the morgue a couple of times. I've been to the cemetery a couple of times. And I can see that dead people can be packaged. You can use a makeup on someone who is dead. And if you, are, if, if you forget that where you are is a morgue, and you see the body that is dead, it will be difficult to really agree that this is, this is really dead body. Everything can look like it is okay. The makeup can be worn in a way that the person looks to be alive. But alas, the person is dead. Properly dead. Medically certified dead. So to have a name is not good enough. I'm saying this not just from an individual perspective. The body of Christ and the present generation must move on from names that are living to actually living in reality. There are many wonderful church activities, wonderful church programs, wonderful church events. We have a reputation that we are alive. In Lagos, they have had to ban public nuisance from church because every church has a loud speaker and this one is leading serious sulfuric prayers disturbing their other neighbors this one is leading dangerous prayers there are books that have been written 48 dangerous prayers for your family i mean dangerous prayers we seem to be doing lots of <laughs> activities but Jesus can look at the church, see them vibrant, as it were, see them active, as it were, and say, hey, you guys, I know you. You cannot hide from me. The verdict is that you are dead. You are dead. So we, we, we must not assume that the forces of death cannot encroach on those who have received eternal life. We must not assume. We must begin to introspect and say, I know I've received eternal life, but is there any power of death still active in me? And why need to be revived? We're talking about lectures on revival. Is this conversation relevant as far as the Bible is concerned? Yes, it is. Who is it relevant to or is it relevant for? It's relevant for believers. It's relevant for the people of God. The text we read in Psalm 85 and verse 6, it says, Will you not revive us again? Look at the next statement. That's your people may rejoice in you. The concept of revival is not for people that are not God's people. It's for God's people. 
It's the gospel. It's God's people that need to receive lectures on revival. It's God's people. God's people who have strayed. God's people who have a name that is alive, but yet are dead. God's people who may be packaged to look like they're alive, yet from the doctor's report, from the diagnosis, there is really no sign of life. So, I've said all of that just to establish the legitimacy of this conversation. Many of you here, several teachers, <laughs> several preachers, several apostles who may not thoroughly explain this subject and who in a bid to sound all optimistic, easily throw away the subject as a revival. Listen to me, faith is not optimism. I've heard several people say this thing and I laugh. You hear people say things like, the gate of hell cannot prevail against the church. No matter what happens, we'll be fine. And I laugh. I laugh because if you read history, you know that what you're saying is a joke. That's not how that scripture is quoted. It's not quoted with a sense of, you know, irresponsibility. No matter what happens, we'll be fine. For several years, the church experienced the dark ages. Forgiveness of sins were purchased. People actually had to pay for forgiveness of sins with their own money. The church was that corrupt. Yet Jesus was alive. Yet God was on the throne. If you think that you can just leave the church on autopilot mode and no matter what happens, we'll be fine. You are joking. You have not read history. The church can go into a very terrible state. A very terrible state where you can say, this is death happening. Two bishops were walking in their cathedral in the dark ages. Everywhere was glittering. The church in those days, the Eastern Orthodox Church, was the most powerful institution in the whole world. Yet, they were spiritually dead. Constantine had made it a very powerful force. Yet, it was dead. Gold and silver plattered the walls of the church. And these two bishops looked around and said to themselves, We cannot say like Peter, silver or gold we don't have. For we have silver and we have gold. And the other bishop said, Yes, but we can also not say like Peter, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Because obviously we have silver, we have gold, but we seem not to have in the name of Jesus. Listen to me, the church can fall, the church can die. The saddest experience is not just limited to the book of Revelations. It can be replicated in every generation. And there are many churches who are just like the church at Sardis. They have a name that they are alive. But in the day Jesus begins to look at them and check, he says, you are dead. All this packaging, all this makeup does not cover the fact that you are dead. And for dead people, what they need is a lecture on revival. Are you listening to me tonight? Let us make progress here because of time. Let us make progress here because of time. To understand the revival, we must understand what I call a counterfeit revival. There's something called a counterfeit revival that Satan uses to bribe churches, uses to bribe Christians, gives them the impression you are fine. Can't you see? Have you ever wondered why the church of Sardis would descend so low? Put it back in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1. Why would a church exist and they will not even know they are dead? <laughs> why would they have to wait for the angel 
of the church to receive a message from Jesus and tell them you are dead. Look at verse 2. He says in verse 2, strengthen the things which remain. Be watchful. Strength. You see, when a church stops being careful, when a church says, no matter what happens, God will take care of us. We'll be okay. They get away, can never prevail. You know, these ones are digging their burial grave. They're going to end up like sadness like that. If you're not watchful, if you're not watchful, if you're not sober, if you're not vigilant, many churches overreach themselves. And it's because of the parameters that they are using to judge themselves. There are many things that look like a revival that is not revival. It's counterfeit revival. It's packaged revival. It's not the real substance. It's not the real substance. But it's, you see, I am very, very slow. Not because I am a pessimist, but because I'm a realist. I'm very, very slow to call something a revival. Somebody organizes a program and people are falling down, say a revival is happening. Do you know what a revival is? Or are you settling for counterfeit revivals? A church organizes a music concert on Shawarma night. And the church is full. And it says revival. Revival on Shawarma? Look at it in Psalm 85 and verse 6. Revivals! Oh God, that your people might rejoice in you! In you! The church is happy, excited. Electric current happening everywhere. There's smoke on the stage, light on the stage, like we have it here. Everybody's happy. La, 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 la. And you may think it is revival. But what if it's just that the people are rejoicing in music and not in God? <laughs> people are going to call everything revival, revival, revival. Do you know what a revival is? Or you are thinking this, 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 this counterfeits thing you are calling revival. Everybody brings out their phone and they are taking a selfie in the presence of Jesus. Everybody is happy. We are happy. Our favorite celebrity musician is on stage. Everybody is happy. And you quick to call it a revival. But are they rejoicing in God? If we remove the smoke, the light, the keyboard, the comfortable chairs, will it still be a revival? Is it a revival in God or a revival of technology? See, because there's data on their phones, that's why they are rejoicing. Or are they rejoicing in God? We are not there yet. Let's stop operating ourselves. Many of these we call revival is just his child's play. The angels look at it and laugh. Revival? Revival? A revival? If you read the history of revivals that have happened, you would understand why we are talking like this. Many of these we celebrate. <laughs> it's just a drop on the ocean. To drop. It's nothing. It's not even what a clap. It's not what an applause. I've experienced this severally, severally. I finish a service and I'm in my in my natural logical conclusion, I think we had a great service. And then God begins to bring the script and begins to show me what actually we need to do. And I begin to cry again. And I begin to say, ah, oh, we have not even started. Oh, we have not even started. We cannot even sustain basic spiritual momentum because we are too quick to clap for ourselves. I want to thank God for the program we did. What's the name of the program? Three Days Revival. 14 souls were added. Okay, let's increase that. 1,400 souls were added to the Lord. Okay, hallelujah. Okay, now. 
and they will check after one day to check the 1,400 souls. They were written in our church book, they were, but they did not appear in the book of life. We forced them. We promised them, Shama, just come out. Come out. Come out. God will give you a good wife. Come out. They came. We called it revival. God called it death. The makeup of death. Are you listening to me here? Let's, 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 let's check it very well. Before you call something a revival, check it though. Do you know what the word means? Or are you just excited with charismatic cliches? We have our own book of life, church register. When God's book, many of the times when you see people say that social person, you know, Billy Graham was or is perhaps referred to as one of the greatest evangelists of our generation because many of the people that came out for his altar call stayed as Christians. I can tell you this from my own evangelical statistical analysis that 75% of the people that come out for the average altar call is not saved. I can tell you that. And I'm not missing words. I'm telling you that if you organize a program where Jesus is not glorified, where people are attracted to the program because of some singing and dancing that they will enjoy. And you think that anything revivalish can come out from that kind of activity. You are joking. You really believe that somebody will come to Jesus looking for bread, physical bread. And Jesus will say, okay, it's bread you want, so you take bread. And because the person collected bread from Jesus, you now think he has received the bread of life. There's physical bread that Jesus multiplied. There's also bread of life. There are two different things. Two different things. But you look at the people and say, ah, plenty, plenty. you get plenty of disciples, so some people, they chop bread and fish. 5,000 people. <laughs> and yet, in the day when Jesus began to say, I am the bread of life. Hey! Even his own apostles went back. <laughs> he turned to the 12 and said, won't you also go? He said, yeah, no, we, we, no, we are not going. You alone have the words of eternal life. We are not here for bread and fish. Those ones came for bread and fish, and they have gone. We came for the real stuff. How many people come to church for the real stuff? I'm saying it again and again to you, people. I know what to do to fill this room. But I would rather have a few authentic people than to have a room filled with fakes. I would rather. I know what to do. I know the program. What, what, what it? I know what your generation wants. I know. I know. You think it's a coincidence that Thanksgiving services is always fuller than regular services? You have a salad with pancake and sobo? I mean, <laughs> it's a good thing in the house of God. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. Joy in pancake. But shall you not revive us again? That we may rejoice in you, oh God. There are Christians in Sudan. No light, no stage, no tie, no chairs, no even Bible. There are Christians in China, there are Christians in Afghanistan. All they have is eternal life, and yet they rejoice in God. No keyboard, no drum, no music. That's revival. If you remove all these things that you enjoy, will you still come? Will you still come? Some people go to churches where they can snap good pictures after the service. <laughs> If that kind of a church is full and you think revival is happening there, you don't know, you're a joke. You don't know what revival is. So, there is counterfeit revival. We must know it. So that when we see something that looks like revival, we say, this is not revival. 
They are calling revival. The program is called revival. The conference is called revival. The person preaching is called a revivalist. But it's not a revival that's happening there. It's counterfeit revival. A bribe of Satan to stop you from pursuing the real thing. Will you not revive us, O oh God, that we might rejoice in thee? How might rejoice in thee? How do you know a counterfeit revival? Simple illustration is a dead flower. A dead flower is attractive. Listen to me. Attraction is not a sign of life. <laughs> or attraction is not always a sign of life. A dead flower is attractive. And if the makers are intelligent, they can also add some fragrance to it. It can smell nice. Yet, it is a dead flower. <laughs> it can be put on the stage to beautify the altar. Yet, it is a dead flower. It may have all the colors of the rainbow. Yet, it is a dead flower. Many of the things we celebrate are actually dead flowers. It is beautiful. It is attractive. It makes the people to come. But it is not alive. It has no capacity to replicate and to reproduce life. You can't plant it. You can't water it. The sun has no effect on it as it were. It does not go through photosynthesis. There is no chlorophyll inside it. By the time we begin to check from biological wisdom, we can confirm if a flower is alive or dead. But if you are not too sound in biology, you can see a flower that is fake, that is dead. And think, oh, such a beautiful living flower. Meanwhile, it's as dead as Undertaker. You know Undertaker? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I talk to like that, flowers, dead flowers, beautiful, but cannot produce fruit. You know, an artificial flower cannot produce fruit. An artificial plant, as it were, cannot produce fruit. <laughs> there may be even a rubber plastic fruit, but you can't eat it. It's dead flower. My brothers and my sister, let's not pursue counterfeit revival. You know why counterfeit revival is taste? It is easy to maintain. When you buy artificial flower, <laughs> you just clean it up. You dust it. You don't need, it doesn't need sunlight. It doesn't need water. You don't need to trim it. <laughs> it doesn't grow. You know they pass in boundary. Counterfeit revivals are easy to maintain. You have a good camera. You can do Facebook Live. You have lights and smoke and sound. You have great instrumentalists. <laughs> they don't have to be born again. It's easy to maintain that one. Counterfeit revivals, easy to maintain. <laughs> but if you want the real thing, you plant, you water, you would weed, you would trim. You will labor. You will trust God to send rain before you will get the increase. Are you listening to me here? Yes, True revivals is costly. <laughs> the modern church is too busy to pay the price. So we just package something and call it revival. Package something, just package something. Call it revival. Because we can get two to fall down and we capture it on camera and we post it. Say, hey, now let's this. Power, power, wow, 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 wow. See them on the floor. Power. We say it's revival. And then we stop. Meanwhile, we have not even started. How do you stop 
when you have not even started counterfeit revival you saw artificial flowers and you tabernacle there and you say this is my real boat oh, yet we should be tilling the ground toiling laboring sweating say oh god won't you revive us again that we might rejoice in there are many christians who look around the body of christ in nigeria in nigeria we have the biggest auditoriums <laughs> it was pastor tunde bakara that said nigerian christianity a million miles wide and two inches deep <laughs> Packaging is the corruption inside, the rot, the decay, the death. And nobody else sees it, but Jesus sees it. He says, ah, Come package and I use it. Artificial flowers. We need to, you see, I've, I've spoken like, like this in several places. And many people say, Why are you so pessimistic? I say, It's not pessimism. It's just honesty. It's like Jesus saying to the Sadist church, you are dead and you are telling Jesus you are pessimistic. Didn't Jesus say he will build his church and the gate of God shall not prevail? Jesus, correct yourself. <laughs> you don't know what's wrong with you. The owner of the church says you guys are dead. You have a name that's alive, but you are dead. You are not telling the church, the owner of the church, that uh, the gate of God shall not prevail. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? How do you know a counterfeit revival? Specific, specific explanations. The signs of death will be absent. Now, from a natural perspective, a biological perspective, what are the signs? What are the signs of life will be absent? What are the signs of life? In biology, we learned about Mr. Ninja D. Is that not so? Come on, how many of you remember? Alright. What is M? Movement. And we say living things move. An animal moves. And even though a plant is, as it were, static, its branches, its roots moves. Hallelujah. So we say, if something is alive, it should be moving. If someone is alive, they should be moving. If a church is alive, it should be moving. But you can mistake activity for movement. There's much activity, I can say that again. But there's little movement. Look, you're, you're young, I agree. But compare when you were five and six, the reputation of the clergy to your present age. Compare. In those days, you remember, if somebody puts clergy sticker on their car, no police will stop them. They'll say, if they stop, they say, pray for us, Pastor. Pastor, Alaba, Ekusha Uluwa. But now, I feel like I put Pope on the car. We have lost respect in the eyes of the world. It is politicians now recruit us to deceive stupid people. If you are smart, you cannot be deceived. Somebody will be a wicked Islamic jihadist. He will not pick a pastor as his vice candidates to give you the impression that he, he loves church <laughs> the pastor too will now say oh yes we are representing the christian race <laughs> meanwhile when i watch christians are slaughtered like goats <laughs> listen to me there's counterfeit revival 
it may involve lots of activities. Seven days of favor, seven Sundays of power, seven weeks of glory. When we check inside, all this packaging, when we now check, what's in there? After service, when they share the grace, what do they do? <laughs> you know, it's all just, all just it's all just death. A lot of activities, little movements. What impact has the Nigerian church had on the Nigerian society? In those days, people come to church to seek for staff of companies. We are looking for a reliable secretary. Church, can you give us three people there? It doesn't happen again. Because even in church, the secretary self. Onjo, onjo in church. <laughs> the fear of God has left the building. Death! Is now in charge. We need a revival. And that's not being pessimistic, that's just being honest. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. In those days, if you introduce yourself as a born again Christian, people look at you in a particular way. I'm born again. What do you do? Club. But now we say you're born again. You will be speaking tongues. You will see an invitation to the street pass events next week, Friday. But I told you I'm born again, but you're born again does not carry weight again. Being born again is no, it's no it, doesn't, it doesn't matter again. They tell you, even the stripper on the book, she too, she did go to church. I have a tight card record. She gives a tight from a stripper's job. So you are born again. So what? Let's go, John. Let them do Kinichade. You know, Holy Pass, my brother. We need revival. Those terms no longer mean anything again to the world. You are born again. You are going to church. You go to church, when you come back, we go to club together. <laughs> go to church, who know the good church? I'm not going to the good church now. Who know the good church? What do you mean you go to church? What do you mean that on me? All of us, the good church now. See, they will tell you, I'm not a pagan, no. My name is Gabriel. My son name is Michael. My middle name is... Anything you want. So what's that? We have a name. There is much activity. There is little movement. Are you listening to me? I'm worried, really worried. The way we are going, the decay is fast. The next generation may not meet anything that is authentic Christianity. So when we when we introduce ourselves as, are you a Christian? Many people just think they mean, do you have a church you go to? He is born again, but he does Yahoo. Born again, Yahoo. What a combo. What a combo. On Twitter, you have a book that is called Christian Buddies. A Christian that is a buddy. Christian buddy. It remains spirit filled demon. What, 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 what this combination? What are we talking about? A Christian buddy. It's more. I'm a Christian, but I can open breast anyhow. But I'm a Christian. I see, if you see me in Sabbath like this, whoa, you go back. <laughs> the combination permutations are becoming interesting. Now we have gay bishops. Some churches, Orthodox churches, are withdrawing from participating in the Western generalization because. Some of them have strict African values. So they cannot be part of the worldwide Anglican community anymore. 
because they are now beginning to say uh, the gay community should be embraced in church. And the more we make that possible, the more the next generation will think it's possible, the urge to resist that temptation will be dropped. If I know that it's possible to be a Christian body, why should I attempt stop being to why should I stop trying to be why should I try to stop being bad? If I know that there's something called Christian body, if it's a combination that can work together. So if if I have bad feelings, bad mood, bad emotion, why should I stop it? So if it's possible to be a Christian body. Let me flow now. Activity or no movement. What is R? Respiration. The wind of the spirit is absent. I'm not talking about people falling down. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there holiness in the church again? Seems as though holiness has been removed. People are choking in sin, choking in guilt, choking in trespasses. There is no breath of God. Are you listening to me here? These days, I've told myself, my aim is to raise a consecrated people. That's all. That's all. A people decide apart for God. That's my job. I'm not, I'm not interested in any, anything, including charismatic theatrics. Is it theatrics or theatrics? What's the word now? I'm not interested. Before that one Sunday, you fornicate on Monday, I'm not, you're a sorrow to my life. I'm not interested. I would rather have the good old religion where people are quiet in church, they don't shout. And on Monday, they fear God, they serve Jesus. On Tuesday, at work, they, everybody knows this voice. They say, Christian, I prefer that one. I prefer that one. Pay me. And now people come and do Christianity on Sunday, and between Monday and Saturday, they do any other thing. Well, on Sunday, they wear their church clothes. I don't want. That's not, that's not, that's not revival. Mr. Ninja D. What is N? You are not well fed. There's, there's scarcity of bread. Who are serving junks on the pulpit. The pure are malnourished. There's death in the house. I've seen it again and again and again. I've tried to listen to some of your favorite speakers and I wonder, is this what you will be celebrating? Is this, is this, is this, is this, is this, is this lollipop that you, you are calling food? Hey, how much say? Scintillating to the ears. It's electrifying, but it's not edifying. Words of wisdom, motivational talking. But when you begin to check, simple rule of Bible, Bible interpretation is not to. <laughs> this is when you Bible study. It should be a Sunday school teacher with an address. Go back to Bible school. Go back to Bible study. Go back to Sunday school. Well, no. You rather listen to people who just come and shout, shout, and you will be wow, be mesmerized. Well, I was so blessed. Now tell us what you learned. You were blessed. Oh, yeah, tell us what you learned. Um, um, I learned that the navigation of immortal realms are proportional to the dimension of the solar system and lunar system. Oh, really? That's what you learned. And you were blessed. They gave you lollipops. You licked it, you said it was sweet. Meanwhile, it will damage your kidney. Are you listening to me? Yes, There's no bread on the table. I've seen it. I've heard the highly rated men, and I see it with every sense of humility. I've heard the revered people, and I say, wow. Oh, this is, 
where you will feed from. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm telling you, even logical debates cannot even be sustained. Other people that are not believers can argue with these people and prove that the argument is flawed. It doesn't even take much to see that this person has not in the world. But it's very popular, very interesting to listen to, very scintillating and electrifying. That's why you see, by the time you begin to now check, what is the, the result of all these scintillating messages? How has it affected the quality of Christians? You now see that. Wait. Has sin reduced? No. Has integrity increased? No. Has purity increased? No. So what is all the grammar tensor? What answer? What's the impact? Are we producing more missionaries? No. Rather, we're having marketplace apostles, kingdom financiers. Is anybody consecrating their souls to serve Jesus? Like those of who did? No. We said we have everybody trying to go to Lagos and Canada. And yet we have the greatest of preachers in our generation. We should close shop and, and, and we should go and cry and repent and say, oh God, revive us. There's lots of noise, but there's no impact. When last somebody in our church say, hey, I had the call of God. I'll be a missionary. I'm not going to United States or UK. For goodness sake, I'm going to a place where they need to hear the gospel. Burundi. Will we get out and say, oh, may the Lord bless you. Or we say, if say your relationship, we don't catch you. There's, there's very little revival I'm telling you, the average person is living only for pleasure. Yes. People are able to make it in life. Use God to make it. Use God to have more money. That's all we are thinking. And we say we're having revival. We're dying. We're dying. We're dying. When last did the missionary come right from our church? He heard our sermons and said, I think God will have me just serving full time. Will we not call him and say, are you mad? The school fees we put on your head, is it going to waste? Yet, if people did not live in the United States, in the United Kingdom, to come to Nigeria, your fathers will still be serving idols. They will still be bound your head to some go. Somebody made the sacrifice. They will still be killing twins in a quiet bomb. Somebody made the sacrifice. And I'm not talking about illiterates. I'm talking about learned people. Left their certificates, left their glory, left their riches, and came here. You are thinking of, what can I, how can I make more money? How can, you're dying. You're dying. It's kind of a revival. Mr. Nigeri, I is irritability, response to stimuli. What is our response rate like? God cries and cries and cries. He laments and laments and laments. We are slow to feel his hurt. When last did you sense the grief of the Holy Ghost? When last? You are forgotten the Holy Ghost even grieves. You are forgotten there's something called the grieving of the Spirit. When last? When last did your conscience prick you and say, ah, what am I doing? Stop this nonsense. When last? Your response to stimuli is very slow. Very slow. When last? Were you doing something and you just sense God say, what you are doing? Stop it. Stop it. When last were you praying while watching Instagram and your conscience pricked you and said, come on, I thought you were praying. And you drop the phone and say, ah, what last? We are almost like dead people, honestly. No response. The Holy Ghost is shouting, Still stop this thing you are doing. You can't hear. Dead. Conscience has been seared again and again. What last did you wear clothes? Look at the mirror and say, ah, maybe I'm a Christian. Maybe <laughs> I'm a Christian. But no, you go and do photo shoot and send it to us, post for you. 
Oh, you need revival. The response was simply snow. It's all non-existent. Are you listening to me here? Yes, Signs of life. I'm not talking about <laughs> noise. I'm not talking about packaging. I'm not talking about makeup. I'm talking about life. When we touch you, do we touch life? Can you transmit life? Or is it just, we're just trying to give an impression that we are alive? Meanwhile, Jesus says, you are dead. Mr. Ninja D. G is for growth. Just like movement, there's a lot of activity that need to grow. We grow quantitatively, we are not growing qualitatively. Largest auditoriums, highest number of attendees. What is there really growth? Or is it a cancerous growth? <laughs> what kind of growth are we producing? What kind of growth are we producing? If the quality of believers today, with all our large auditoriums, we cannot even be useful to financial institutions because even integrity is low. Pastors are caught stealing church offering. What are we doing? And we are bragging about we have plenty of people. 10,000 people attending the program. Congratulations. But excuse me, that's no sign of growth. In the day they came looking for bread, they gathered around Jesus. Thousands followed him. 5,000 men ate that bread. That means there might have been at least 12,000 people there, perhaps. And yet in the day, preach one sermon, all of them turned back. What we call growth many times is just a cancer. No, there's no growth. There's no growth. Are you listening to me here? And then there's Christian. Mr. Ninjadi. There's Christian. We are afraid to let some things out. So we keep all the rubbish. Or it's because we are dead. You see, Jesus was so alive, he had the effrontery and audacity to talk to his apostles and say, won't you also go? Anything that is living must have a door that can be walked out of. If we allow the opening door to be white and the closing door or the exit door rather is not available for use, we're probably not living. Jesus didn't tie anybody down. We use gimmicks to invite people. We use gimmicks to make them stay. We call people through special programs. Not even special programs, but we call them in. When the special program ends and the real state of the church is now manifested, we use courses to threaten them. You want to forsake the work of God? Anybody that forsake the work of God will die. Kill it. Kill it. Die for what? Because I left the church. There's no bread on the table. I'm leaving. You brought a guest speaker. But after the guest speaker has come and gone, we have seen. There's only lollipop you have to offer. I'm leaving. Now I'm going to judge them. If you leave, hey, why, 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 why? I let people come in to my assembly, but the, I let them see that the back door is very open. In case you want to leave, please don't hesitate. I say it again and again. I say it again. I'm not raising slaves. I'm raising disciples. There's no joy in keeping people who don't want to be there. I'm saying it again and again. I've called a couple of people. Don't, would you want to leave? If this church is not blessing you, would you want to leave? There's a church down there. There's a church down there. Send them to them. And I have no regrets. It's not because I don't like them, but it's because I love them too much. I would rather have you grow elsewhere than have you die here. Go elsewhere and grow. Who pay me? I will hear about you in the future. Here. You are doing well there, and I will be satisfied. My conscience will be clean. 
Not that you are here and you are dying. Why are you dying? Live and grow and live. Well, no, we are too afraid to expel things. That's why there's much poison. Many people have come to this church this year and walked out. Once I confirm it is for reasons that they approve, I don't bother myself. You have left? God bless you. The person that left is a chief financier. When I came joined this church, many of the regular members left. When I mean joined, when I was posted as pastor here, I was not the regular pastor. I'm still not the regular pastor. And obviously, not everybody was cool with my style of leadership. There was one person who was supposed to be the head of our building project, we were trying to do this ceiling. And he was, I think, the last married person in the church. And then suddenly he stopped coming to the church. So, in my foolishness, I was lamenting to the vice president of the ministry. I don't know how people are living. I don't know how people are living. So, she advised me to go to their house and try and talk to them. I called the man, called the man, the man didn't pay my call. I went to a shop. I stood in his presence for more than 45 minutes. The man refused to attend to me. I swore there and said, never again let anybody leave this church. And I will attempt, I will attempt in any way to bring them back. I will do like Jesus if I ask you, wouldn't you also go? If you want to stay, stay for convictions. I'm not going to pet you. As Christian is a sign of life. Sign of life. I'm not going to pet you. You want to stay, you stay. You don't want to stay. I will, I will personally bundle you out. And since then, I have no regrets. I have no regrets whatsoever. Don't act like you are being caged. We can't, we can't be raising slaves in church. It's, it's a garden of free men. People that are here are here because they have conviction. If you don't want to be here, I will be the first to bless you and pray for you. And release you in the name of the Lord. And support you when you go. Oh yes. Many people have left have called my house and I, I am willing and able to help them. Joyfully. <laughs> Joyfully. No, no bad feelings. Joyfully. Excretion is a sign of life. It doesn't matter if the person is the chief financier. His tight is the biggest in the church. Excretion is a sign of life. When they want to go, thank you very much. As the church stopped existing because anybody left. <laughs> Are you joking? Are you joking? Can't you see? And the last is reproduction. Is that not so? Mr. Nainjadi. Okay, leave that. <laughs> that is uh, a sign of cessation, actually, of life. So, reproduction. That's the last hour. Are we? Are we really reproducing life? I've looked at the terrain again and again, and I'm worried. Our fathers are Bishop Oyeripo, Pastor Adeboye. And I look at the next generation. It was Pastor Kojo Oyemade that said, our fathers passed down to their generation a lifestyle of fasting and prayer and Bible study. But we are about to pass down to the next generation a lifestyle of smokes and stage lights. And he said it and I said, you, Baba, you sabi, you sabi, you sabi what you have. What legacy are we reproducing? Is there replication? Dead flowers don't produce fruits. Dead flowers don't reproduce. <laughs> but uh, anybody that wants to reproduce must be willing to sow, labor, carry belly, nine months. Uh, reproduction is not size play. 
But if you want to, if, if what you want to have is a doll baby, go and buy doll baby in the market. They don't sell them. Five hundred naira will get you some. But you want real human be life? Ah, you go, you go, you go labor. Ah, you go labor. It's easy to maintain the counterfeit revival. Genuine revivals, however, it's going to take some effort. Look at the church. Look at your life. Some of you are not in ministry. So look at your life. Is there a revival happening in my life? I've been coming to church. I sing and dance. I fast and pray. I judge when they preach. But am I going through revival? Am I alive? Or are the forces of death strong and active in my soul? I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to challenge you, inspire you to repent. Because maybe we'll soon teach that in the third or fourth week. If there is no repentance, there can be no revival. Why revival tarries is because the people feel there's nothing to turn away from. We are okay. Like the church in Laodicea. Put it in Revelations chapter 3 again. We have read about the church in Sardis. But perhaps the church in Laodicea also, also, typify this reality. Now, check it out in verse 14, please. And to the church, or to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I would vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich. This is why we don't repent. We are too rich. <laughs> we have silver. We have gold. Top 10 richest pastors in the world. You will see Nigerian. Ah. Nigeria is the capital, poverty capital of, of, of one of the poorest countries in the world. But top 10 richest pastors. You, you will see Nigerian names there. Ah. We are, we are rich like Shege. Shege money. That's an offering they roll. The flow. That's why we don't think we need a revival. We are rich. We are too rich. For some of us, the way God will bless some churches in Nigeria is by giving them poverty. Yeah. When you are poor, you will seek me again. You will call upon me. You will seek for signs and wonders and miracles. Now you are too rich. You don't need me again. You can pay three million for a musician to come and sing for 30 minutes. Or you can't do Bible study. Are too rich. Are too rich. Are too rich. You say I am rich, become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. I counsel you to buy from me. It's only from me. You have to buy from me. You can't buy it in Jerusalem. You can't buy it in Rome. You can't buy it in Lagos. It has to be from me. Gold refined in the fire that you may be truly rich and white garment that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eyes of that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore, be zealous and repent. We are rich. Celebrities come to our church. We give them mic. Bless the people. Bless them. 
<laughs> and the, 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 the pastor will take a photograph. See, the church of God is marching forward. With somebody will go and release a music video tomorrow with half naked girls. Are you people joking? Do you, do you people know what this is? You think it's a joke? You think Jesus died for, for cruise? Giving front seats is, is a star, it's a celebrity. Oh, really? See, we are marching on. The gate of shut up with me. <laughs> Hell is laughing. Hell is laughing. <laughs> when last was somebody made a deacon or an elder in church on the basis of his fervency, according to First Timothy 3? How the determined dick is now is uh, your pocket capacity. So you say, dick. It's too much. If we, if, we, if we knew that you are you talking, if we say we want to pick Dickens, and you say, okay, let's vote, and they say, bro, he can pray like fire and pray well, pray result, holy living. But you don't get social skills. You know the young sister. Say, brother, sister, brother. Will you vote for him to be your deacon? Or you say, ah, he's my friend. I'll vote for my friend. Why do you want to vote for him? You know, he has, you know, you know. You know, you know, I know. We know. We know why you are choosing those things. We know. You know why the church of God now choose dickens, elders, and even pastors based on how big is their tight? How well is their car rounded up? Ah! We are falling a great fall. Mm. Mm. Falling a great fall. And you may think it's far, but I'm telling you right now, the next generation of church leaders will be you. You may think you are young. The next dickens, elder will be you. What will you have to offer? There was an there was an Edikin in the Bible. His name is Stephen. The King Stephen. Hey, full of faith and of power and of the Holy Ghost. The King Stephen could run miracles. The King Stephen could preach the gospel. The average Deacon today only has money to give. Hey, the King Stephen died as a martyr. They stoned him to death for his conviction and the faith. That's a proper Deacon, not a Deacon. Like Reverend George would say. You are the next generation of leaders. Are you? you are thinking, we are talking about them. It's you we are talking about. Next 10 years, next 15 years, you will be a pastor, you will be a deacon, you will be an elder, you will be an HOD. And now your big church, your big church. What will you have to offer your generation? What will you have to offer? Stand to your feet, let's pray. Revive us, O oh God. That's the prayer. That we might rejoice again in thee. Revive us, O oh God. 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 Let the Revive us, O God. Rakata koma Revive us, O God. Revive us, O God. That we may rejoice again in thee. Le pokomandi kete kata kata. Le prekete peto. The bread of life. Nekede gelelelelele. Ushtobala. 
in our gathering the bread of life on our tables revive us oh god again 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 that we might rejoice in thee Revive me, O God! Revive me, O God! That I may rejoice again in thee. Hallelujah. Yeah, I cry, O God. And help us to live again. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's be seated. Let's give an offering. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.